0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row production.
1: Hey guys, this is Darren Carp with Scissoring Isn't a Thing.
0: And I'm Liz Cully. And we have... Yet another very,
1: very hot, 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 he is hot, sexy man on our show this week. But he's also humble, Liz, because every time I see this man, I always comment. And he fully obviously knows that I'm lesbian. And I just like I'm obsessed with him because not only is he just the nicest guy, but he's chiseled from stone. Am I wrong, Liz? Chiseled. No, it's
0: David in the flesh. We have yes. John Hill. John Hill is on the show this week, who I know is a good friend of yours.
1: Very good friend of mine. He's kind of Andy's sidekick, if you will, on Radio Andy, kind of a partner in crime. Used to be Andy's ex of three years. And so I've known him since, and he used to work at Watch What Happens Live, of course. He's a brilliant writer. I've known him since I started with Andy for about 10 years now. So he's been in my life for quite some time and honestly like a big brother to me.
0: Yeah, you guys share a really special moment on the show. I was kind of in awe. We recorded this kind of in the beginning of the summer and I was just like damn you are so fine and I again asked him for his sperm
1: sorry Brad Goreski I asked John first you listen you got to cast a wide net with these things Liz because you know it's like it's like a job (laughs) application it's like you send out 10 resumes maybe you'll hear something back you know what I mean so you really gotta make sure that every handsome man I love also that your only qualification is handsome guy like John could have a series of mental illness one foot like you don't care you're just like Whatever you're, you're cute. I mean, he's not just cute. No, he's he a very is handsome. So fine, he's I a mean. fine man. But also, you know, with John, and you're gonna hear about it on this episode. Like, John has been—he doesn't need to like care about me in any way. You know, like. People in Andy's orbit who I don't directly, I don't, I only work for Andy. So like when Andy's really good friends who aren't necessarily famous, I'm not talking about like the Kelly Rippers and the John Mayer's of the world. I mean, like his close personal friends, you know, all of them like reach out to me about things and be like, Hey, I saw you on this video, like doing this, doing that. And John has been no exception to me. And obviously, you know, I've talked about my hate crime on the show before and John right. and I get into that because he was there he was ground zero for it. He had been through something similar to me, and so really took on this brotherly, fatherly role at work, which is uncomfortable for me because I'm not yeah. the type that like goes into personal stuff at work. As open as I am with you, and and while this is work, this is also like us kibitzing. Like in an office culture, like I do oh, not I love cry. A kibitz. Yeah, I love a kibitz. You're just a, I want to be Jew. I know you are. you no,
0: I am. I'm five percent. Excuse me. No, I swear to God, I have my 23 and me. You're Ashkenaz. I am. My mom, well, right. my mom's name is Jane Seligman and her grandparents. So my great grandparents, one of them was Ashkenazi
1: Jewish. Yeah, because I was going to say you're too white to be a Sephardic Jew for sure.
0: I know. I wish. Oh, that's be yeah, beautiful skin. No, nope. <laughs> I'm like see through. I just get like. I'm Ashkenazi.
1: Pink. Don't don't say don't say anything bad about Ashkenazi. I'm not.
0: I'm not saying anything. I'm happy, but I'm just saying I love that like beautiful olive skin. But yeah, no. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But you know what's funny is that when I dated men, I really only only kind of dated Jewish men a lot of the time.
1: Really? I don't know why?
0: Yeah, they love it. Uh, they love a, shix, a shiska. A shiksa. Shiksa. Shiksa there yeah, you go. Yeah, that's me. But
1: you're 5%. You know, you got 5% of that word, right? So that counts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's early in the morning. Yeah, Give me a break. I don't know. I ate an edible Liz. last night.
1: I ate an, ad- an edible. I'm fucking probably still high. What can I say? I wish I ate an edible. I wish I ate five edibles. But also it was John's birthday this week. It so was. We want, it was a perfect timing to sort of bring out this episode. We love John so much. He's a sweetheart. He's so smart. He's one of the best writers ever. He worked on us with Love Connection. He's been on Radio Andy. He's been on Watch What Happens Live. And so he's honestly been there for a lot of uh, points and at least uh, m- with my career with Andy that I've gotten to see. And he's a true, true gentleman. She Honestly. is a true
0: gentleman. And, you know, speaking about my kind of love of men and women, really yes. just John Hill, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but Carol Baskin came out as bisexual.
1: I did see that. And, you know, I didn't, I, uh, admittedly, I didn't read every article about it. I texted you about it, you, you know, did, and then you, of course, no, like, you
0: did. You were like, alert. I'm like, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I could tell you what she said exactly.
1: Yeah. Tell me what you said. And also, you know, I will say that I got a lot of because I had just interviewed Carol Baskin on my reality check show. So many people were like, this is what Darren does, you know, interview uh, one of them. And then two weeks later, they come out as bi. And I was like, that's not true. But I would like to take credit for this one, Liz. But yeah, tell me what Carol said. I I believe this really happened when she was working in like the LGBTQ during the AIDS crisis, which she said that's when she realized it. that's what I had read. But but school me on this. All
0: right. Here here we go. So she told Pink News that I have always considered myself to be bisexual, even though I've never had a wife. I could easily have a wife as a husband. I was engaged to a psychologist, and that was his entire field dealing with LGBTQ plus community. It was during the period when AIDS was just wrecking havoc around the world and people were losing their loved ones. So I became very close to people in that community then. She also commented that she was probably born into the wrong body as she always felt like a tomboy. And she has always felt very male oriented in the things that she has done. I never had any okay. mother instincts. I never played with dolls. So I always thought that there was something off there, but I couldn't pi- right. quite put a finger on it. And then it was during the 80s and dealing with the LGBTQ plus community that I realized that I had just as equal feelings as for women as I did men. And as far as the way I feel about us, I think we are all one. And I just don't see us being different genders or different colors or anything. And that was the end of her comment.
1: Well, I mean, I have a few things to say about that, I think, because I think I did read that exact statement and I was slightly confused by it. Okay. Now, and the only reason I was slightly confused by it is because I don't know how to word this without sounding kind of crazy, but being a tomboy... Doesn't mean that you were necessarily born into the wrong body. I'm not taking that she might have felt that way, but a girl dressing more masculine like I kind of do. I consider myself a we always talk about chapstick lesbian or like kind of a tomboy doesn't mean that I identify as a boy. And that's a different. And I thought she was kind of conflating it a little bit. Now, she could think that she was born in the wrong body. I'm not trying to take that away from her. But she was a little bit conflating, like, I always could have been into women. Therefore, I was born into the wrong body because men and women can be together. You know what I mean? And I was just kind of like, no, just because you're a tomboy might be into women. Still can make you a woman. You're just into women. Well, yeah. I mean, it's That's why I was a little confused. And I was like, well, which one kind of is it? Because they're not the same thing. I don't think she meant it in any sort of like harmful way, but it's not the same thing. And, you know, you're a very, very feminine, like appearance wise dressing woman. Like you, you dress very feminine, at least compared to me. You know, you're a girly girl, like you wear heels, you wear dresses, like you have long nails. We always talk about this, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that you can't be into women. You know what I mean? Right.
0: No, I I think it was kind of an archaic statement. I mean, You're right. You know, and she's older,
1: you know, she's, yeah. she's in different, you know, she, like, it's hard to keep She like allegedly
0: like has her husband's body in her basement <sighs> Well, I mean, or that's a big alleged, but yeah, I mean like, <laughs> you know,
1: kidding. and I, could, I think it's good for her to be like, I could have easily ended up with a man as a woman. I think that's what you've said. You know, I could yeah, have easily ended up with a man. Yeah.
0: So I identified with her statement there where, and I think her kind of going on to further explain, like, I think what she was basically trying to say is I see people for people, which Right, I which I'm with, all about. Know. I'm yeah. all about.
1: I didn't. I was a little confused with the whole like born in a wrong body thing because that you know while being trans is an absolute legitimate thing, that's not necessarily like a sexuality. And so, well, right, I
0: know. I think she was confusing. I you think. Know,
1: I think she was, think she of was of just confusing, confusing it. it that's why when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. But again, I don't think she meant it in any sort of harmful way. I don't think, I I don't think it was like, I think it was just, you know, a person coming out saying that like, hey, like I'm into what I'm into, you know, like she's really into cats, you know, and so am I. So I kind of appreciate that. And, (laughs) and, you you know, it's. My brother has a cat. I'm at my brother's right now. I lost the cat that I had with my ex-girlfriend. Uh, both of the cat and dog that I had were of my exes. Unfortunately, they actually both passed away this year, so oh. it was really, really hard for God, both of I'm us. Sorry. Um, oh. but I'm going to get a new. Yeah, he was like my best friend, so it was like you can't even bring him up because I will genuinely cry on this podcast. Um, so thanks, Liz. <laughs> um, sorry. But no, no, no. He's. I'm going to get a new one. I. I was just uh resting with my brother's cat actually when I woke up. She Aww. woke up next to me and I was like, "You're my little baby." But I understand uh Carol Baskin's. I appreciate Carol Baskin coming out and I appreciate what she said. I just don't want that to be confused by some sort of archaic right thing that we don't identify with anymore,
0: you know? No, I agree. And we are coming to the end of the month. And this month has been a big one. It was, bi- well, speaking of Carol Baskin, we had Bisexuality Awareness Week. We had Bisexuality yes. Awareness Day. You and I released a candle, a special candle with proceeds going to the Trevor the Project. Trevor Project, Project to, sold out. Sold out. To sold celebrate out. National Coming Out Day. But it was also LGBTQ plus month. And I was doing a little bit of research and I wanted to uh, oh. <laughs> tell you about it.
1: Give me some facts, girl. All right.
0: Some facts right here. But you might not know. I didn't know. Actually, let me ask what you think. When do you think LGBTQ plus History Month actually started?
1: That's a really good question, because I think everyone sort of associates it with June, just because that's when Pride Month, like that's when Pride Pride are.
0: And Stonewall was many, many, many years ago. But when do you think that... I was very shocked to hear when this actually when LGBTQ plus history month, which is October, right. when it first started.
1: If I had to guess and I actually have no idea, I would probably say like 10 to 15 years ago.
0: OK, well, you're annoying because I think I actually told you. But yes, 1994.
1: Sweetie, that's like 30 years ago. That's actually much older no, than it's I thought. 20 because- years ago. I didn't think 25, 26 years ago. So technically, if you're rounding up, I'm correct. Ooh, um, math.
0: Math is hard. Sorry, um, Liz. It's okay. No. So-
1: the, well, the reason I was going to say it was only that long ago was because it didn't really, it doesn't seem like something that would have come out. Like a lot of these like awareness months don't feel... You know, we had Women's History Month. We had Black History Month growing up in school. But outside of that, I don't really remember. And that could have been a fault of my own. That could have been the fault of my educators. I don't really remember there being a lot of, like, these months that people were celebrating this one thing outside of Women and Black History Month. I don't remember anything else, really, because, like, we used to have, like, these school presentations about it. So I didn't really learn about anything, like, LGBTQ-ish in school. And 1994, I was – you know, six. So that's why I always just assume that it happened probably later in my life okay, because well, that's you a know. smart
0: assumption. Well, and it was founded by Rodney Wilson, who was a, or maybe still is, a high school teacher in Missouri, which wow. is kind of awesome. And he wanted to provide his students with role models. He wanted uh, the month to build community and he wanted to also represent a civil rights statement about the contributions of the community. As of this year, actually, it has now extended outside of the United States, and it is a month-long celebration in Hungary, the UK, Canada, Australia, Brazil, Greenland, (laughs) okay, and Berlin, which is kind of awesome. And wow, I know it's really random. Typically, the LGBTQ plus History Month is recognized in Hungary and the UK in February which is random. I'm just
1: getting out that, you know, like months aside. I don't think gay people are like, "No, we can only be in June." Like I don't think anyone cares about that, but I'm pretty impressed that yeah. I think just like the stigma is maybe not Australia or Canada or even Greenland, but something's like Hungary, yeah. you know, which I don't really know that much about, but it certainly doesn't feel like a place. Not that they'd be anti-gay, but it certainly doesn't feel like a place that's like you know you're going to be okay in for yeah. some reason, whatever stigma that is. So you Know the world is changing for the better in these ways, and I think it's really important to like recognize that change doesn't happen overnight and it happens really slowly. But when you look back, you're kind of can be really impressed with you know, since 1994 to 2020, you know, a lot has happened, and a lot, and and and, and to some extent, you know, being gay, just being your regular run of the mill lesbian is kind of boring to people now, and and I'm thankful for that, you know, because yeah. it's like. I, I want that, you know what I mean? I want it to be treated just as, okay, you're straight. Cool. No one cares. You know, like awesome. I, and and right? I think this is, we're either in the beginning or in the middle of this happening. And I think it's great for our community.
0: I think you're right. Well, and I yes. just loved kind of learning about that. What I love about this podcast is that, you know, we ask questions of each other. We ask questions of our guests they ask questions of us. We're constantly learning. I love that. I'm kind of slowing down and taking a minute to actually find out when LGBTQ plus month started and things like that. And um, I also just feel really fortunate that you and I get the opportunity to meet people like John Hill. I can fall in love. John Hill, if you're listening, please give me sperm. We don't live that far away from each other.
1: Just like, please give her sperm. Like this is all she needs. Just put it in a little bag. In little bag. ziploc bag, put it in the mail. Liz will be fine; she'll figure it, it, it out after. I think it'll die, but it's <laughs> in fine. the mail. That's but turkey right. based it, just make it happen. Whatever exactly. you gotta do. Yeah. Well,
0: anyway, well, on that really professional note, um, yes. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Carp, as always.
0: I'm Liz Cully. I'm glad that Darren hasn't changed. We have a very special guest on the show today. We have. John Hill.
1: A very special guest. He's one of my very good friends. I feel like, John, should I read what it it said for you on Wikipedia? Have you read your Wikipedia recently? I think Wikipedia is incorrect.
0: Is it? Can I read it and you tell me what's incorrect? I found the Wikipedia. Obviously, you and Darren are friends. We'll get into that. But I, you know, you and I haven't met before. So I wanted to do my research. So I went on Wikipedia and Darren was like, I don't even know if we should read this. I don't know if this is real or not. That's why I
1: have to do it.
2: I think it says I'm a year younger, so please do.
1: Okay, great. John Hill is 14 years old. That is an American (laughs) musical theater actor who's most well-known for his role of Jason McConnell in the off-Broadway run of Bear, a pop opera. Emphasis mine. He also developed a following on his former website, John Hill Online, and his videos entitled Johnny and Kooks, comedy videos he made with his friend Catherine Leonard. The pair released a single on iTunes entitled About You. He grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and is currently residing in Los Angeles, California, where he's producing television programs. He's currently a producer on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen and host of The Feels on Radio Andy, Andy Cohen's Sirius XM channel. He also writes for Love Connection on Fox, where Cohen serves as host. So all of that was true at one point in time, just maybe <laughs> not now. Is that what we're saying now, John?
2: Kind of was true at one point. Did, so it says 14, not
0: 41?
1: No, no, I just I just put 14 because I thought you'd feel better. Oh, cool. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I did that for you. Yeah, I did. Yeah.
0: It also didn't include that you're probably one of the most handsome men I've ever spoken to and you have p- potentially like perfect no, like bone structure in your face. But I'm going to add that. I think because I donated to Wikipedia at some point, I can add that to your Wikipedia because it's totally like crowdsourced, right?
1: Oh, I, I would assume so. But but basically, John, every time a guest comes on, we talk about maybe how they met and certainly how they identify. Uh, you and I know each other just f- personally from work, through Andy. We met through Andy at Watch What Happens Live. And I would say we fell in love day one together and you became straight and I became straight for each other, right? Is that... One hundred percent. Okay.
2: I remember you answering the phone for the first time at his office.
1: Do you? And I was
0: like, "Oh my god!" Please that? reenact it
2: right oh now. God,
1: do you? Do
0: it right now,
2: John. John, go. be sweet.
1: Be kind to me.
2: Okay, go back to this is 20... 2011, eleven.
1: Twenty eleven.
2: And I was like, he had he had had a couple people there who I knew, and then I was like, who is that? And I had never encountered a page before. Okay. Okay. <sighs> So I did not know that presentation. <laughs> that professional presentation. I was used to like, okay, great, cool. Talk to you later. But I, you were so professional and I was like, who the fuck is that robot?
0: <laughs> but can you, but who <laughs> the fuck was that robot? Is that what you said? I'm dead. For those of you guys who are listening to the show, I mean, God, John, anyone who knows me
1: knows I'm a robot. So you're John knows. Me this well. is dreams.
0: Like yes. literally that are happening right now because Darren is kind of blushing, which never happens unless she thinks that you know some hanky panky is going to happen later. But do you remember what it was like on that call? Was it like "hello" and "welcome to Darren Carp's"? No, I was professional, or like what did it sound like?
2: It was so pleasant, but it was so it made me feel like unprofessional. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how to respond, so I was like, "Shh," um," you know. She was so friendly, and and but it was the the page. Boys, you it will well, confuse them.
1: Darren, will you explain to the listeners what a page is? An NBC page is somebody who gives tours. You wear a suit and you give tours of NBC studios and you go on three month assignments in the hopes of getting a job at NBC. And that's how I got my job with Andy. I was plucked from the page program. I applied to be as an assistant, got the job after four rounds, and then. Have been with him for nine years, so it was it was it's a different type of education, you know. It's you're answering the phone a different way than like an agent's assistant is. Yeah, you know, it's like professional personality. I don't know. I love it.
2: Well, but it was. But I was like, what? His other (laughs) assistant, Anthony and Harry, even back to like the trio days, were the complete opposite, and they were like. It would always joke around a lot. So I was like, oh, wow. And then, and he said on that call, first of all, I learned on that call also that you guys listen to the phone calls.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, that's true. So, so again, I'm just educating the listeners because this is so crazy. Well,
1: I didn't. Like, if it was a personal call, like, I'm not listening. Like, Ooh. I don't, I felt like that's an invasion. That just feels.
0: But for a lot of executives in entertainment, for the listeners, what happens in entertainment is a lot of executives' assistants or the people that work for them, even development, will straight up. It's called rolling calls. They listen to calls all day. And for us regular people, the, you know, the gen pop, that's fucking crazy to think that somebody is constantly on your calls at all times. To your point, John and Darren, it's usually business. But I have friends where they'll be like, all right, uh, you know, Jimmy, I'm done for the night. You can hang up. I'm like, damn, you got someone that just listens to your calls for eight hours. And people do. And that's, you know, to take notes and do all those things. Because a lot of people don't know about that. I like that fun little fact.
2: And he, and he responded with, she's really, really great. Really? And he had never said that about an assistant. So like the very first time, then I was like, I can't wait to meet this girl. Oh,
1: so. my God. And awesome. nine years later, here we are still very gay. And speaking of that, John, how would you, we ask every, every guest that comes on the show, how they identify. Some people say tall. Some people say gay. Some people say queer. What would you say to that?
2: How how do I identify? I mean, I say gay. I think just gay. Okay. I'm becoming an elder.
0: That's really interesting. Do you mind talking to us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I grew up admiring the you know older guys in musical theater who were. I was lucky enough to grow up in a really really uh, positive environment, but also polar extremes, like a very Christian household. But then I was in community theater downtown with out gay guys who were married or whatever. And they were doctors and lawyers or nothing or unemployed or bums, but they were all upstanding elder gay guys who kind of passed the baton. I knew I was gay from an early age and they knew too, but they were very protective. They were friends with my mom. They were nice. So I always was like, that's the role model that I have. You know, I never, I didn't have like a, party role model I always had kind of like I'm gonna be the old the old queen you know telling this tales, you know so I think I'm approaching that I think I have you know, a few years on that you know I was 20. gonna
0: say you look young and handsome Liz I is mean, bisexual John so you have, bisexual, but you have a chance I mean you are just you're like breathtaking I mean I was looking <laughs> you up and I was like I told my, you I was with my wife earlier and she's like oh like who are you and Darren interviewing today I'm like oh I'm I'm interviewing this actor. Like, take a look. And, you know, I'm Googling it up. I'm like, oh, my God. This man is like, you honestly look like a Disney prince. You know what's funny?
2: My job in college was as a singer performer at Disneyland. Wait, Disney.
0: and, and what? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, I was going to say,
1: like, did you play a character? What did you do at Disneyland, John Hill? Guess. Um, guess oh, on.
2: Oh, that's a
0: good one, Darren.
2: This answer is going to blow your mind.
1: Wait, I'm not. I want to guess. Okay.
0: You are the Sleeping Beauty Prince. Oh my God, he would be. He's loving- I would.
2: I was literally, and I'm not kidding, Quasimodo.
1: What? Oh my
0: God. No, you
1: awesome. weren't. No, thank you-, you for the title of this that's, podcast. No, that's a lie. That's a lie.
2: back of Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> I I sang the song that he sings and. They had it, the show in which the song is sung is sung by someone while an acrobat in a plastic Quasimodo hat. those acrobats on top of a bell tower. It's a long story, but I like to say that because people are like, were you a prince? And I like to say, I was actually Quasimodo. Wow, <laughs> yo,
1: Disney does not know what they, they did not know the jackpot they had. How old were you when you did that in Disneyland?
2: 19, 20?
1: So you moved from San Antonio, Texas to Los Angeles or by way of New York? How, what are, what's your history?
2: Straight to LA. I didn't skip a beat. I just went straight to LA. I got a full ride to Pepperdine University, which is a Christian wow. school. Overlooking
0: I, the beautiful Pacific ocean in the, in the hills of Malibu, which is like the promised land. If you ask me.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was nice to live there. It, it's a, you know, I was used to that kind of like, I mean, it was really strict. It was really, really strict Christian campus, but I was used to that. It didn't bother me. And it was, I was glad to be out of Texas, but also I'll say though, being in LA, we were in Malibu, which is such a bubble. So I wasn't like in WeHo.
1: Mm, right. Yeah. you
2: know, explore that.
1: You grew up in a Christian household. Yes.
2: Super, super strict. Yeah.
1: And when did you come out?
2: Well, they found out
1: arguably the worst way to come out. Uh, how, can you walk us through that?
2: Yeah, well, so I came out to friends when I was really young. I had a couple of friends I came out to when I was 14, a couple of people I came out to when I was 16. And by the time I was in con- so, but I, and I had like safety around me. I had like safe, again, like role models. And I also grew up before AOL Chat. So internet had been around, I'd be, I'd be dead. Right. I'd be you get in my parents' house. I don't, I, you know, it would have been bad. Right. So no internet, no talking to crazy weirdos in other states, you know. So I'm not dead. I'm alive. Uh, Thank God. Because, Thank God. Yeah. But then, so yeah, I came out here looking kind of, you know, wanting a boyfriend. And, and I found one freshman year of college. And they, when I, when we were kind of like going through like the passionate first year of college in love nest when I went home for Christmas break, I wrote him a letter on email. I say email like it's a new word, but Katie correct. Um, Katie <laughs> And I wrote him the email of all emails. Like I really let him have it because it was just an impassioned email. Because like in,
0: in a way that you were saying that you loved him or were you angry with him?
2: him but was also mad at him (laughs) Mm. I found out that he was kind of maybe cheating and I kind of read him for absolute verbal filth and but also was like so it was just extremely wordy and very verbally like wow to find that as my mom and dad so
0: Sorry to stop you, but I'm just curious. How did they have access to your email account? Or did you like leave it up on the computer vibes? Yeah,
1: like what's like my parents hopefully aren't reading my emails. Well, so But it also, seems,
0: I don't know what your time. Yeah, this year. Was this like the time when everyone had like one dial up computer in the middle of the fucking house right. where everyone had to take turns and you'd like boop, 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 go on the Internet kind of vibes? It
2: was 100 percent. There was one computer in my dad's office, and I said, can I go email? I signed on to my college email, and I remember logging out, logging out, like, remember trying to log out, and I find, I, when all this came out, and we'll, we can talk about that, no pun intended, but like, when it all came out with my parents, I was like, how did you see it? And they were like, it was sitting right there turned on the computer, and I was like, oh. Huh. You know what, though? It was a blessing, though, because I never would have come out. I never would have. I would have never said anything, ever.
1: Well, well, one comment, like, of all emails to see, you see, like, you feeling all the feels on, you know, a white sheet of paper and, like, my God. I mean, I guess it's better than it being, like, porn? Yes? Oh, God. that happened to
0: my brother.
2: Yeah, it's so funny. Am I allowed to say the F word? Yes. Um, I wanted to see porn. <laughs> I knew I to see porn. Let's just start there. I wanted it, I was like, I would like to see porn. Again, (laughs) no internet. So I drove, I was like, seeing your lunch. I drove to the mall. (laughs) And I I drove to like the the mall where I knew I'd not seen you, I wouldn't see anyone from church. And I went to the bridesmaids shop where you could find like gag gifts.
1: Oh that's great.
2: I'll take a pair of those fake of those like pens with naked men on them and that VHS tape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my so god! So you bought a distraction gift in or yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I'll have uh, toilet paper, condoms, and a banana. You know, it's mm-hmm. like hmm yeah. <laughs> condoms and the banana kind of work together. They but do. Yeah, yeah, right. we'll listen, yeah.
2: <laughs> and um, when I came home at one point, my dad before before he you knew I was gay, he was like, you know we found your fuck party. <laughs> the way he phrased it, I laughed in his face because it's not like we found your form. He said, we found your fuck party. This is so funny. I wish you
1: had a recording of like your super Christian parents coming to you in whatever era it was being like, we found your fuck party. Like that's so... Can I take that?
0: Can, Can I? I don't like... Also, was the pen a part of the fuck party?
1: wait <laughs> right, like, like, yeah.
2: The pen, who knows where they went. <laughs> but the but we found your fuck party sounds like they saw me in a fuck party.
1: That's what I'm thinking totally. like that. Like I'm thinking like a grinder situation and your parents, would you say that they were strict, though, because of their Christianity? Were they just strict with you? Like what like when he said we found your fuck party, was it what then my, what was said? My dad is so cool.
2: He's the best person in the world and he has the best sense of humor. And he is just simple, kind of like a simple guy who's like, look, I don't want to go to hell. Let's just do everything right. You know
0: what I mean? Totally. Yeah.
2: The mom was, I think, a little bit more, what is the word? Uh, She thought it through a little bit more. Like she is, you know, she's an author. She has, you know, she writes a lot. So I think for her, it was more analyzed or analytical. So I think for my dad, it was simple, like pray, read the Bible, go to church, don't go to hell great, done. So yeah, we grew up strict, but it was like, it changed as I got older because I pushed the limits because I was blessed. And I use that term, however, you want to take it. But like I, I was gifted as a young person, knowing that I was gay and never questioning it and never being tormented about it. And I find myself very lucky yeah. to, have, to be able to say that. I didn't Ever say, like, oh god, I'm going to hell. I was like, oh, please, like,
1: girl, right, exactly.
0: <laughs> what years were you in LA when you were in college?
2: That was 1996 through I left three years into it, uh, because I got a job, I, I got a Broadway gig in Miss Saigon, so I left, Ooh. and I guess 99 because I spent the millennium, the millennia,
1: yes. What? Y2K. I Y2K, Y2K. Yeah,
2: with the Miss Saigon folks, remember? Uh, and I finished that tour. I did that for a year, and then I went back and finished my degree. But I finished it in London because I was like Malibu's gross. I want to be like among
1: Malibu the ones. is gross. I want to go back just for a second because to your point, like you consider yourself maybe blessed or lucky or whatever your term that you used about like never you know, being unequivocal about being gay, you know, you're not thinking you went to hell or anything like that. But did you think that because just of who you are, like, how did you, did you grow up feeling a certain way about homosexuality? Was it taught to you that you were going to go to hell or was it just not a thing? And so therefore you didn't have that place mark to say like, oh, I'm going to hell.
2: It was a thing. It was a big no, no. It was talked about. There were sermons. We were you know, a lot of people say like we were the footloose family, like you know, no dancing. So in my church, there was no instruments because, it, like, there there were no musical instruments. It was all like you know, women couldn't speak uh, on stage. But th- but then it grew. Like as I as I got older, the church also progressed a little bit and kind of expand and kind of chilled. But you know, I remember like for example, the sign language interpreter got fired because he didn't lie he was like i am gay obviously because i'm fierce and i'm like entertaining the fuck out of you i remember my dad saying he's like like they had like a meeting of like the elders of the church the men were like we have to he can't be you know in front of the church and be this gay guy and my dad's saying like can't we just work with him or figure out a way for it to not to not lose him i remember my dad saying that and i was really young and i thought my dad's a kind, open, logical yeah. person. Yeah. But no, I um it was it was talked about. People were they called it disfellowship. Mm. That's what they called communication in my religion. They called it being disfellowshipped. So we saw some people get disfellowshipped.
0: And what exact religion or what church was it that you grew up in? Because I know there's all different obviously sectors of Christianity and so forth and so on. So what was that?
2: It's called Church of Christ, which sounds Obviously, like the most generic, but it is it is a religion. Pepperdine is a Church of Christ school. There are different universities that are Church of Christ schools. It is basically just a Bible-based religion. It's the best way I could describe it is that it's Baptist, but a little harder. So you know, no guitars. No, you can't raise your hand and praise, and you know, no clapping. You know, not a lot of like you just kind of go. And then go home. Right. And then say, "Oh my God! You can't swear. You can't have sex. You can't swim in the same pool with the same opposite sex." And I was like, "Okay."
1: You were like, "I'm you like I'm good with that, right? Like this is a spa day for me." When you left to go to Pepperdine, even though it was a Christian school, were you religious or were you like, let me just get through this. So I like do identify with that religion now. And when did you kind of if you if you don't, when did you leave that behind?
2: I again, like I had a weird it makes me feel more, you know, connected to, you know, some sort of higher power because I feel like that's what saved my life is that I was in fertile soil to be on the road. You know, a lot of these guys destroyed themselves because their parents kicked them out. So I, and I would, I could have been one of those guys, but I think it was like the window of time when I was in high school, Clinton was in office. There was a gay straight alliance at my school. We had someone, we had an out transgender person. We had three other out gay guys who they were ruthlessly beaten. I was saved a little bit from being as bullied because I was ruthlessly bullied in eighth grade. And then when I got to high school, eighth and ninth a little bit, and then by 10th grade, I got real tall and real big. And all the, the guys who used to bully me were kind of like, we'll just walk the other side of the hall, you know? Mm. But yeah, I, I think I, uh, I didn't leave the religion, but back to your question, sorry. Um, I, I didn't like leave, but I never felt a part of it. I was like, this is bullshit. But there were other people, even heterosexual people, like saying why why can't we question why can't we ask and this is obviously stupid some of this stuff is obviously stupid like you know adam and eve didn't make every single human like uh, you know we have to ask questions and then that was welcome so the the bottom line i'll skip because i know this is boring i but not I,
0: boring actually it's really super interesting fascinating, yeah.
2: yeah i feel like i and my mom hates when i say this so sorry but um I feel like I beat the system a little bit because I feel like I had been oppressed a little bit, fairly a lot, and I was made to kind of fit in. I could pass, as we say. You know, I looked very straight. I was I was heteronormatively looking you know, straight at that point, and I guess I am. That's what I was questioning earlier. I was like, should I just, like, should I be cute? I think I might
1: be cute. Well, I was going to yeah. ask you. I was like, it, so you cute. know, you said gay, but I was like, do you not identify as queer? Like, if someone called you queer, is that weird?
2: I, and that's what took me to the elder part is like, I think I'm like a gay, I'm a gay man. Because I'm like yeah, gay, right. but I don't like the feeling of being heteronormative. Like, I don't like that because I'm someone who is extremely feminine growing up as a kid. And I think my natural state is to be more femme. And I, I think so many years of trying to fit in, erase that a little bit. And I have been wondering lately, like what that, would look, you know, what that would have looked like had I not been, had I not felt like I had to fit in or pass as uh, heterosexual.
1: It's interesting you say that. And and Liz, I want to get your perspective because Liz and I have talked about, because, you know, I'm lesbian and she's bisexual and she's also talked about like bi erasure. It's like, she's not good enough for the lesbian community, but she might not be good enough for the straight community fully particular, you know, because they're kind of like pick a lane lady, you know, like decide. And, and and interesting, what you're kind of saying is like, you could pass when you were younger, maybe even now for being heterosexual, but does that complicate things where you don't feel maybe like you're gay enough to be gay? Like, is there something within, you know, the gay community that you're like, well, maybe I should embrace my femininity more because that'll make me pass here. Is there any of that with you? And and Liz, for sure. No, I, I didn't want qu- to speak for no, you. No, no, no.
0: That's an awesome question, Darren.
2: It's It's tough, but- you know, I think I've, I've held on to it, like I, like I said about, you know, being a kid and kind of having an inner, you know, I'm not, I have, you know, I have self-esteem issues and confidence issues and I have, you know, what I go to therapy for. But I have a, how do I explain it? Um, I don't care what any certain community or sect of the gay community thinks. I want to be authentic to myself and I feel like for a long time, you know, when it was like wear high heels and grow a beard, years, you know, it was like, well, that's not me either, but I want to just be myself. And I think that'll just come at, into what it is. But I think like as a kid, there's every picture of me as a kid, I'm in a dress and high heels, you know? And I, I just wonder if you, you both made know, this like,
0: We both kind of did the, we're like, we were like, huh. like huh. Well, was that because of theater though? Or like dressing or up? just you. Or you?
2: No, this is before like, I mean, four, five, six years old. You know. And I just I think I always just was drawn to that and super happy and like, you know, free and happy about it. I but I sometimes wonder and I wonder now, you know, now that now that I'm you know over 40 and the fight has kind of come out has has subsided as to where do I belong. You know, am I a suit and tie real estate gay? (sighs) So I think I really am just me. And I do notice that when I'm with certain circles of gay guys, I don't have trouble fitting in, but I definitely stick out. I don't know. Anyway, but I feel like- It's a like- great
1: point. It it's is a, a great, great point. Th- it's a great thing. It's a great thing because you might not feel like you're just like the rest of them, but you don't feel comfortable being who you are around them, which I feel is the most important thing always. A
2: lot of energy is spent on where do you belong? You know, who do you belong to? And I always feel like I've been, there's only been one of me and it's not always great, but there is only one and that's been tough to realize it's gone. It's backfired. And it, you know, cause it's, you know, when you loathe that person sometimes when you go through that phase, but when you like that person or you say, Oh, this is why I'm here because I'm the only me, then it's really it's really great. So I don't know, but when it comes to like fashion and stuff, I mean, I'm just so norm.
1: You're normcore, dude. Normcore. We you're were a black say- tea and jeans kind of. We were saying when we started
0: to record, you made a funny joke that your room that you're recording out of looks like like a straight guy's it's room, like a frat it, dorm. It <laughs> a t- a touch. It does. It does. I mean, but that's okay. Kind
2: of cute, but like the bedding is a little like definitely from you know, Amazon or target, <laughs> you know, there's a, the dog is on me. The dog just vomited. You oh, know, great.
1: Right oh, oh, how
0: cute. Also like ooh, I'm ovulating in two weeks. Let's talk about the fact if you would like to give me any sperm anyway, let's keep going on with the, uh, okay. interview. I'm a little older than Darren. So, so I do think about putting some kids on ice.
2: I do too. I think, I think about it as well.
1: John, not for nothing, but you'd be like the best dad.
2: You think I would too.
1: And the only reason, and I can say this from like personal experience, because when that traumatic thing happened with my ex, uh, that I've talked about on the show, um, I don't necessarily want to say your name, but it happened at work, and it was during the holidays. And John was in Andy's office with the door closed, and so I went out of the hallway to take this call from my ex's mother, who had called me a faggot and a queer, and you know when. threaten your life and, you know, uh, blow your faggot head off. And it was like, you know, you're shocked and you're so crying. And I just like knocked on the door in Andy's office because at Embassy Row, there's no privacy there. So it was like Andy's office or bus. And I went in and John was just sitting there and both Andy and John, I like just, I don't think I'd ever cried at work before. And both of them just like stood up and gave me a hug. And they were like, sit down, talk to us right now, tell me what happened. And you had sort of told me your, because, you know, she was a Baptist and you had sort of grown up in that. And he had really like ushered me through it to kind of like intellectualize it a little bit like you were talking about your mother did where it's like, it's okay. You're not wrong. You know?
2: Yeah. I'm so glad you had people around you at that moment. Because like I said before, you know, there are are people who don't make it because they get phone calls like that. Yeah. There are people who don't have a couple people to come hug you. And is this going to self, say, sound narcissistic? I love being there for people in that moment because I like, to, I like to say that person is just a person and they're doing, especially in Christianity, they're doing what they're told they have to do. Because in the Bible, it says, even if your one and only son comes to you and says, deny God, that's your test and you to, and that's that's like satan's test even like you you will be tested in your life and it will be the hardest test and it will be the one thing that you're you can't do your only child saying deny your beliefs go back on your beliefs and it, and that will be your test so that mother i know what she was thinking she was thinking this is my test and it's not it's not about she should not see you as human it was dehumanizing, and I felt so bad for that mom. I feel so bad for her because you know what's going to happen in twenty years? Not, it's not going to matter, and it's 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 her. It's going to really suck for her.
1: Well, I, I I will say I think the lesson that you that you really taught me was like, you know, as 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 much pain as I could feel for myself and sadness for that moment, you know, I got to go back to work with Andy Cohen at Bravo on Watch What Happens Live and like glitter bomb people. And my ex had to go back to a mother that cared right. more about God's opinion than her own love for her daughter for who she was. And that is the real tragedy, not be being called you know threatening my life even though that was traumatic i think you kind of humanized it for me and it was able i was able to really like quantify it in my mind at that point you helped me a lot
2: it's a loss and it it's an immediate loss so you were like shit it's a breakup it's a loss and i don't have time to peacefully talk it out so it's it's gone like that
0: right yeah and
2: that's traumatic for you and that's the hard part but it's like in a healthy way, we would like to do breakups the way we break up, you know, as adults and stay friends or try to do, do you hear the sirens? Yeah, yeah we
1: the do. The this is a, yeah, this is the state of affairs these days.
2: Hey, are we a siren friendly show?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> that
2: was tough. And in a in a weird way, and I'm just talking out loud, I kind of was like, this is good for Darren in a way. Like in that moment, I was kind of like, this is so Fucking par for the course for Christians and for people who don't, who, who can't pop out of the bubble, you know, and this, and not, not you, but I just mean like par for the course. Like this is so, like my parents, it took them decades, but they kind of, e- they eased up. Mm-hmm. By the way, the, the letter story was, it was a meltdown, nuclear meltdown. When they found out I was gay. It was a nuclear meltdown.
0: When they found when that email. When they found fuck party or whatever? We, no. Or the yeah. email.
2: The email, not the fuck party. The email, but just the thing. I'm happily glad, Darren. But like, I was like, I'm, I was like, she's experiencing something that happens all the time, and now you can talk to someone who has that same problem when they come to you, and that's what I appreciate about our community is when things happen and you go, please let me like hug you and talk to you because I got you and like.
1: Yeah, that was a real moment, and I felt that. I was like, I can help somebody else now who's maybe been marginalized or threatened or in some sort of way by telling my story, even from a fairly well-to-do white girl from Montclair, New Jersey, who grew up in the most progressive place with the most progressive people. I mean, I didn't, even though I knew it happened because you read about it and just by the nature of being gay, but I was kind of like, holy shit, this is happening to me. Like, it was a wake-up call where it was probably a reality for you way more than it was ever for me growing up, you know?
2: You know what I'm thinking too, is it comes down to people. It's not the religion that did it because my parents, you know, it comes down to who the person is. So my my parents are both different. I'm different. I, when they, and I knew I was like, when they find out or when I tell them, or when it ever happens, it will be world war three, they will disown me. So I made a firewall. I got, I made sure I had a car that was paid and made sure I had a, Free ride to college, and made sure I had because I was like, I will—they'll kick me out. I knew they probably wouldn't because I could probably sweet talk them. But at the same time, I was like, it is the number one worst thing you could do. Yeah. So when they found out, it was really, really bad, and it caused a lot of problems that weren't there before. To be honest, like be- between
0: problems. you guys or between them f- with their own community and church, or.
2: Uh-huh. They shut down. You know, it's funny when, when things happen, like my being gay is something that happened to my mom's life and her journey is my son was gay. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Not like, here's how I was available to help my kid through a really tough time. It's, oh, I was, I, this dot, 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 happened to me. And that's part of my journey. Like Yeah. But like, think about, I try to think about that, like in terms of like, oh God, look what just happened to me. And and, instead of like, what can I do to help this person out? Or
0: Well, and I love that you talk about Darren being there for Darren in that moment and how not necessarily trying to see the positive because it was scary and awful, but like how that's changed Darren as a person and she can be more empathetic and also understanding for the next person that's marginalized, as she said, or has a hate crime against them or you or me. And that's really how change happens, right? Whatever community that you live in. So whether it's a religious community or a black community or an Asian or a gay or whatever, like, you, you know, when things happen to you, then you can understand other people and there are marginalizations more, or whatever happens, And also, I just really want to get out of the way. My mom, when I came out, said the exact same thing. She's like, why did this happen to me? Like that sticks with me and will always stick with me for the rest of my life. Because I'm like, why did you make this about you? And I know, John, you talked about therapy. That's why I go to therapy. It's because of my mother. Um, How do you now in your life as a, you know, 21 year old? I'm just kidding. uh, (laughs) As the most handsome man alive, you know, out very well known celebrity, like actor, musician, all of these things have this background.
1: Yeah, you. I- you sing she was talking about me john we're just you know we're gonna say you you sing
0: you're on tv like i would say that you're you know celebrity oh i've heard his
1: mellifluous voice it's very lovely
0: but would you say that you know how do you take all of these life experiences that you've had in particular being from the south growing up in the church having religious parents like how do you take that into everyday life or do you
2: well i do i think i've i'm in a transition a little bit, like the lead up to being 40. And I don't think, it's not about age, who cares about that? But like, for me, it's kind of like, I remember my ex-boyfriend turned to me when we were like 35 and he's like, you know, you realize we are the people we were gonna become.
1: Wow.
2: Right now we are the people we were always gonna become. Like, you know, not meaning we've reached our dream, just meaning like we're now adults. Like, look back on my life as always having felt, like I'd be okay and I have been okay. And now I feel like it's my turn to, you know, give back however I can. And I'm not super rich, but I do like to, you know, pass the mic when I can. Right now, like I'm watching, learning, listening and amplifying.
0: By the way, I'm going to make that into either the quote for this episode or whatever. But yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful thing to do.
2: You know, when I I stopped performing that on on Broadway, I started working in television because I thought it would... The funny thing is I thought it would make my my parents more proud that it was a more legitimate career, even though I was really successful on Broadway. I think there was a part of me that started to doubt that halfway through my life that was like, I really want to be perfect, perfect. And then ironically, you get to this age and you're like, we miss you being on Broadway.
1: <laughs> you're like, damn it.
2: Now that I'm at this age, I realize that I'm not the like twenty seven year old that I was. Also like sexually. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. used to be very jealous. I I viewed things sexually and emotionally from a certain point of view but i took like a year off of dating or or anything like that just to kind of like assess myself but i don't approach things like the 27 year old like abs for days person that i used to be not that i'm you know don't feel confident with my bowdy like you know what i mean like i feel like trying to, you know, be aware of who I am and that you can change. I used to be really, you know, anytime anyone had an, anyone had an open relationship, I, I was just so shocked and so like, ugh, I'm so offended and so grossed out, you know? And it's just not that that's the norm or something I'm after, but it's, it is something like, you know, your mind changes about those things, time goes by.
0: It sounds yeah. like to me what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, is that, You becoming this elder that we talked about, which I loved in the beginning of the episode, you are, you know, trying to listen and amplify other voices that might not be your own. And also you're you're more comfortable with who you are and what you what you believe so that other people's relationships like an open relationship don't affect you anymore. And
1: I think to your point, the older you get, the more experience you get, the more comfortable you feel and that makes you probably less jealous about other people and honestly more open-minded about all you know polyamory or pansexuality or everything that's going on it's like the more confident you feel in yourself i think the more open-minded people become
2: and that's what i've always loved about the friends that i've had are people that loved life you know and weren't about making sure they checked certain boxes you know and you know more about like having joy in their life you know and so I think that's what I feel like I my, my biggest asset now is is a little it's like a teeny little ounce of wisdom that is like I attribute it to my dad who was always just kind of like listen don't overthink it be kind search for joy be good to other people you know when you mess up you're going to go for it that's great But like, I do feel like I have a lot of space for people who are hurting to, you know, make them feel better.
1: Well, you definitely made space for me in a time where I needed it the most. Funny because I was very
2: much like a downer.
1: No, No. I think just hearing having someone else, you know, like you can say, like, look at Johnny, might have went through it, but look how great he is now. And I think just having an example of maybe of what that throw line looks through after the fact of going through all the bullshit is just as helpful as you know being positive and upbeat so i really appreciate you always just being that really like kind soul you're just such a good friend and i really appreciate you coming on scissoring isn't a thing and telling us your story i love you and i will always love you and i'm in love with you there you go and she wants your sperm now john so now you really gotta think about it
2: (laughs) my sperm i really will Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah.
1: I'm taking you to coffee. <laughs> At least.
2: <laughs> i taking Propecia, so I'm producing more.
1: <gasps> See, Liz, something to think about. I'm getting really excited. <laughs> well, thank
0: you, John, Thanks, John, for your time. And I'm going to have Darren link us up. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> on, that, on that sperm.
2: <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Be safe.
0: Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday.